Welcome to the Business That Matters Spotlight. I'm Warren Coughlin, founder of this podcast and business coach to ethical entrepreneurs who want to build a business that matters. In short, I help you end chaos and gain control over your business so that you predictably and reliably achieve the profits, the lifestyle, and the impact you strive for through a team you can trust without the stress and frustration. When you experience this, you're more confidently able to make the world or just your corner of it a bit of a better place. At The Spotlight, we believe that every entrepreneur has a unique message that can positively impact the world and inspire others to do the same. Stick around to the end of the show. We'll reveal how you can be our next guest. Let's get started. Hey, welcome to The Spotlight. I've been really looking forward to this conversation. This is the Business That Matters Spotlight, as you may know, in addition to being a business coach. I'm also an actor and theater director. I'm also a mentor at a couple of incubators at the Canadian Film Centre, which was started by Norman Jewison, uh, including one called Fifth Wave, which is a feminist incubator that helps kind of cool, innovative businesses that support diverse voices. So our guest today, Dennis L. Reed, is our first guest from the film and entertainment industry. His business, Homestead Entertainment, has a wonderful vision, an innovative business model, and lots of successes under its belt. So Dennis, welcome to the spotlight. Hey, how are you? I'm great. It's great to have you. So let's start just by telling us a little bit about Homestead, just as a, as a business. What does it do? What's the actual business you're engaged in? So Homestead is a distribution company um, for a lot of independent movies. Um, we don't really do shorts. We do do documentaries, but mainly we try to do features, mostly features. We really don't like documentaries either. Um, we're also into, we're also a production company. Um, but we try to keep the range with, with the production at under 250,000. Mm. Um, that's about it. We, we, we just a dope little, little distribution company trying to take over the world. <laughs> trying to take over the world. I love that. But you, and, and there's financing of the things that are being produced as well. So you're doing like production, financing, distribution. That's a lot and not a ton of independent film business to succeed at all three of those. So, you know, kudos on that. But for folks, for folks who don't know a lot about this kind of mysterious entertainment industry, why is that both unique and hard? It's unique because you either normally have distribution companies that just does distribution and then you normally have companies. And you normally have production companies that just does production. When you're able to um, do both, it's kind of a win-win, but it's not easy at the same time. You know, um, when you focus on production, you're normally trying to say, okay, I got to make sure I had enough money to make this film and also promote this film. And that's a that's one of the things that a lot of people don't understand that you can make a, a a great movie, but if you don't have money to, you know, do, you know, to advertise it, nobody will ever know about it. You know, that's why with all the major movies, when you hear about their budget, the movie may cost a hundred. The the budget may be two hundred million. The movie may only cost eighty million to make, and then the other hundred and twenty million is going towards advertising for they can make their money. And a lot of independents don't understand that you know so with that being said what we've been able to do is we've been able to basically make great movies with the stuff that we made so far and then being uh being 
into the distribution realm, we understand that we also got to advertise it. And so we're able to make more money off our movies because we are advertising. And a lot of distribution a lot of distribution companies don't advertise your movie. They allow you to do it. You know? Right. So with us, we do allow you to do it. We show you how to do it though. That's like part of the plan when you come to Homestead. We have to teach you how to properly advertise your movie. You know, so not only are we making movies and distributing movies, we're also teaching how to do it the right way so you can make the most money off your movie. Because the more money you make, the more money we make. Right. Nice. And so how do you go about finding the movies that you distribute? Um, A lot of times they find us, you know, um, with the success of He Said, She Said, with the success of... um, indictment and first lady three and he played me movies like that trying to come up those movies when people see them on 2b or on imdb tv or one of those other streaming networks services they always come and be like yo who how you get your movie on 2b or how and it's like a conversation now not only that we also do the film festivals you know we have a deal with affinity um that we distribute a lot of that urban content. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing about the the production side, and I also own Dentistry Productions, that I am trying my best to bring more people into the director round. Right. You know, because in my head, you know, Homestead is my my distribution company that I'm with, but then Dentistry Productions is my production company of my personal. So in my head for me to make a lot of money, like I'm trying to, like I I really have the thing about trying to be the best at this game ever. So I understand that I got to be able to put out more movies to make more money. Correct. So like my assistant director, Breezy, for example, she's 23 years old. Um, She just had her first child. She graduated from film school. Right. But she came on with me before she had her first child and she was my assistant director. So by being like that, I have five sisters, right? How can we make Breeze better? How can Breeze make me better? Well, if I could get Breeze to do her own movie that we bring in and I get her to direct it, that means that I have time to direct something else. Right. So that instead of just doing three movies a year, now we could do six movies a year right so that's one of the things that i've been trying to do i've been trying to bring in more women more people period to come in and direct and showing them how to direct so they'll work under me for like one or two movies i teach them my formula and then i i let them have their movies you know and that way now we are not only it's like i'm building a little tree and i got all my little branches right and Everybody had their own unique style, but my style is still there. And that way I can still make sure that it works, right. you know, and having Breezy and um, Sharif, for example, and people like that, having these women and other people around me, I don't just stay focused on this. I'm learning to think a little bit more broader and it just made my movies a lot better. It made my writing a lot better. Um it's interesting it may- how these principles, you know, that, what you're talking about is, is it sounds 
you know, very focused on the film industry, but these are the challenges every entrepreneur faces. I'm the right. person who started the business. It's all based on the way I do it. If to grow, you have to bring people under you, mentor them, nurture them, let them start to be able to do things independently so that you can focus on the high value work. It's the, it's the common challenge that every entrepreneur faces and too many try to hold on to too much too long. And that actually constrains their growth. So you're yeah. being very proactive about this. Yeah, but I come, I own restaurants, I own bars, right? So owning them things, I've been owning restaurants for like the last eight years, bars for the last nine or 10 years. I learned, I learned with the movie game and even the plays that you have to trust your team. Mm -hmm. And the more you trust your team, the less work you have to do. It matters the truth. And that's the part that people don't get. You know, like when you see these big Fortune 500 companies, not one person runs it. They, it's a team of people. And when you build that team and that team thinks like you and even better than you, because I believe that you hire people better than you um, to make you look good. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you know, when you do that, you're able to take vacations and not worry. Right. So you're able to go to sleep at night and not worry because you know that your team is damn good. And that's very important. That should be an entrepreneurial model. The better they are, the better I look. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm putting that on the shirt. <laughs> so what's your secret sauce in finding people better than you or people with potential to become better than you? Um... I understand that I'm not the smartest person in the room most of the time. Um, when when I when people come to me, they normally don't know more than me, but they have more passion than me. Um, and they're willing to learn more. So when they get around the, the DPs and the gaffers and even the PAs that are going to school to do this, when they get around them, they soak it up as a sponge because they trying to learn, learn, learn. When I'm trying to work, work, work. Right. Notice, like with Breeze, even though she went to school for it, she got around Sino and they collab on so much while they was on set. Cause we on we in pre production for two months, then we're on set for 12, 13 days. And she, her and the rest of them, they they get together. And when they're when I'm thinking about work, they're thinking about making it better. So right. Breezy spoke up more than me because she's able to talk to them and learn more and all that. And it's just, it's just being around, man, having just wonderful people that's willing to learn when as a business owner, I don't have time to always learn. Right. You know? And that's kind of the, that's kind of the secret when you just able to bring people that's willing to learn and, and also, they may even know more by just going to school and, you know, being on different sets with different directors and different producers. And even, you know, like I tell people in the restaurant business, you know, the person that normally own restaurants are the per the dishwashers. And the reason why the dishwashers normally be the ones that own restaurants because they don't have a problem with going to clean up the bathroom. They don't have a problem with going out in the parking lot and picking up trash. They don't have a problem with drop learning how to season chicken. They learn every single thing about that restaurant. So when they get older and they end up saying, you know, I'm going to open up one, 
they already know everything about it. Right. And the dope part about them is they don't have a problem with doing it themselves. And normally when your team know that you don't have a problem with doing it yourself, they work harder with you because they know that you understand their struggle and you're not going to put too much on them because you know their struggle, you know? So when people have a great leader, and I'm not saying I'm great by far, I'm trying to get there, you know? But when they know that you're a leader, that you are willing to get out there and rough it up with them, they normally work better for you, you know? And I shouldn't say work better for you because really I don't think anybody worked for me. I think we work as a team. I think I look at my team as a family, you know, and that's just how I've been running it for like the last seven years. And then you've, so you've, you've layered on top of all of that, which is, you know, complex. And obviously you're very thoughtful about it, but you layered on top of that complexity, a pretty strong mandate to give voice to underrepresented groups. So tell us a little bit about, about your vision and why that matters so much to you. Um, It matters because in my community, the black community, we are already kind of kind of behind the A-ball because of the narratives that people see on television. When you look at television, when you look at the news, you always just see anything black bad. And then even with the, the, the gay community and other minorities, I would say, you know, you, you don't really see the good. So when people don't see the good, they already have a stereotype, even if they're not, even if they're not, how can I put it? Even if a person not racist, right? We know that every person in America is not racist. Everybody in Canada is not racist, right? But if you look at the news and you look at TV and the only thing you see is when two black guys are walking down the street and this white lady is walking down the same street and you see that these black guys is going to snatch her purse or jump on her or anything, when that's all you see on television or on the news, can you really get mad at the white lady crossing the street? Right. Because that's what you program to do. So in media, media programs the world. You know, the narrative that you see on the news, the narrative that you see in movies, the narrative that you see on television, that's what programs the world. So my goal is to unprogram the world. You know what I mean? The show the show that just because you're gay doesn't mean that you can't make a dope movie. Right. Just because you're black and from the hood don't mean that you can't run a Fortune 500 company. You know, just because you're a little Latino boy doesn't mean that you can't own the biggest finance company in the world. You know, representation matters. You know, just because you're a woman don't mean that you can't run them, run the front America, you know, and that's the thing that we I'm trying to change the narrative of what people just think about people that's not them. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm one of the kind of people, if you would have known me 15 years ago and you say, yo, um, we want John to be in the play. And John would be gay. I'd be like, no, I'm not doing that. And you'd be like, why? And in my mind, it was simply because I thought that if if John was in my play, he's gay, people are going to automatically think that I'm gay. Right? That was ignorant. So it took, like, 
my friend Velda Hunter, for example, said, yo, D, it's not like that. You have to, you have to treat people exactly how you want somebody to treat your mother, you know? And once I got there, once I got it, once I understood it, my life changed because I understood that people, just because of what they do in their bedroom, or just because of what their religion is, just because of some of their beliefs may not be yours, don't mean that person is a bad person. Just because somebody don't dress like you or look like you don't mean that they're not a great person, you know? And once I got that, once I understood that, the world opened up for me in ways that I could never imagine because now I'm able to have friends that just genuinely love me because I'm Dennis. Not because I make money, not because I own a bar, not because I make movies. They love me because I'm Dennis. You know, and when you have that, that's when your life changed. If we could all get there, we'd be a lot better. I'm I'm sad that it took me 25 years to get it, you know, but being from the hood and being where I'm, where I I was from, we always heard what was bad. We never heard what was good. You know, was it, was it just that one conversation that made the change or was there something else that really like what, what made that pivot? I think it was the one conversation. I think that it was just ignorance on my part. You know, I think that, you know, being a black male and that's that, Nobody want to be known as gay, right? Nobody, unless you're gay. <laughs> you know, if you're gay, that's cool. But as a male, that's one of the things that we all struggle with. You're like, yo, how can how can you hang out with that gay guy and you're not gay, right? And I hang out with him because that's my brother. Like, I, I have a friend at AW Canada who I love to death. He he has a thing. He said, I don't have, I don't have, bless you, I don't have friends. I have brothers and sisters. You're either my family or you're really not around me, right? He has associates, but if I consider you a friend, you're more like family, right? Once I understood that, my life is different, you know, because my friends are my family. These are people that I would, you know, kill a brick for, you know, because I know where they, they, their alliance is, you know? So, I had to stop thinking like an idiot, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just, just blankly. I had to, I had to stop thinking like an idiot. I had to start thinking like, like a, more like a father, more like a brother, more like a, a uncle, more like a grandfather. I'm a grandfather, you know, I had to start thinking better. And that's what made my life better, man. So it's amazing how, I mean, it's a great story about environment. It's actually one of the reasons I, I, this whole podcast is about what I call building a business that matters. And part of it is, is kind of what you're describing. If people can create environments in which people can be exposed to that, that kind of transformation, that kind of experience, that kind of looking at the world, then the world becomes a better place. I'm, I don't normally, there's a story I heard of, of a kid in the States who grew up in a really uh, white nationalist, white supremacist kind of household. And he actually had a radio show as a kid that was very, you know, white nationalist. And he went away to college. And for some reason, he went to a public college that was very diverse. And it was a group of students, they found out who he was and what he did, but they never challenged him on it. One of the students, he was a Jewish guy who had a Friday night Seder dinner, but he invited everybody. Um, And so, and they invited this kid 
but they never talked. They never talked politics. They never talked race. They never disclosed that they knew where he was. He just hung out with them. And within six months, he just completely transformed his views, shut down his radio. He basically became estranged from his family. But it was just being in the environment that showed that his previous beliefs were completely ill-informed allowed him to have that kind of gestalt or shift. And it sounds like you're trying to provide that kind of opportunity within your own business to replicate the experience you had for yourself. Exactly. Because I understand with, with the movies and with the television shows and with just the business itself, right? Everybody have a story. Everybody's story is different. Everybody's story is unique. Mm-hmm. Gay people have a story. Black people have a story. White people have a story. And that doesn't mean our stories are so much different. It just means they're different, right? But you'd be surprised when we all get to the nuts and the bust of it, most of it, we all love what we do. That's what that's what starts all of this. Us loving making movies, right? So that's our common ground. You know, in in business, you have to find your common ground. What's your common ground? How can we all be dope? So like, for example, you have the podcast, right? You are trying to change the world from your from that podcast. That's what you're trying to do. Right. You're trying to make you're trying to show the world in a different light from your podcast. Right. I try to show a different light of the world from my movies and my television shows. Right. So we're all trying to be better. We're trying to make the world a little bit better. That's our common ground. So right. it's always trying to find the difference with people. Find your common ground. You find out that your differences are not really that different. We all want our families to be happy. We all want our families to be healthy. We all want to live in great life. You know, some people want to live in billion dollar million dollar homes. Some of us are okay with living in a one bedroom apartment, right? Uh-huh. But guess what? That's our difference. But we all want to live. <laughs> that, that, that's our common ground. And that's how I think, man. So let's get just a little bit of context for your mission. Cause I, you know, I've known from conversations I've had or a couple I had even recently that, you know, people give the argument, particularly in the, in the entertainment industry, it goes something like this, like, yes, yes, this used to be a problem, but I see lots of movies being made by and for women. Look at Ava DuVernay or Melissa McCarthy or Wonder Woman, and the success of shows like Never Have I Ever or Lupin or Fatherhood. So doesn't seem to me that there's any problem any longer for diverse voices getting their stuff made. That's sort of the argument that one hears. Can you address that? Like, where is that argument ill-informed? I got, you know how, like, when when people say, um, I got a black friend. <laughs> yeah. Right? You, you, our world is just so, uh, with that. You know, like, Hollywood won't give me $100 million to do a movie, right? Because they don't think that people are going to come and watch my movie. You feel me? Yeah. But they give them $100 million to do a movie, a white guy, $100 million to do a movie, and our stories be about the same. They don't think that this community is going to come out like that community is, and it's wrong. You know, like the things I have problems with, and it's just so, 
it's so simple. Like, for example, um, last Friday, I was um, in the Dominican Republic, right? And the the man was on the elevator. He say, yo, did you know Robin was bisexual? I'm like, what? He said, did you know Robin was bisexual? You mean like as in Batman and Robin? Batman and Robin. Yeah. Right? I say, who the f- who says that? Right? He said, well, it's all over the internet. And like I told you, I really don't watch. I don't look at the news. I don't watch the internet. And I, I got mad, though. I'm like, why are we talking about what Robin do in his bedroom when Robin is a superhero for kids? Why are we, why are we doing this? Why are we just making dope movies about things that we like? And why do we got to put a title on every single thing, a label on every single thing? You know, why can't, why can't women make dope movies and just have dope movies that we don't think about them being a woman? Why can't I make dope movies and you not think about me being black? Why can't it just be a dope movie? You know, like, why can't the movie just be that you like that storyline? You like that subject matter. Why do you got to be yeah, with Dennis, the black dude that made movies, or Kim, the 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 lesbian that made movies, or John, the white dude that made movies? No. How about we all make movies, and if it's what you like, go see it. Like, I've never, ever seen one Marvel movie. I never went to go see none of the movies. That's not my genre. Now, let them same people make another Godfather. I'm going to be the first one in line because that's my favorite movie in the world. Yeah. Why should it be that? You know, but that's our world. You've got a great graphic on your website, too, showing some of the things, like what, 94% of film execs are white and 98% or 96% of film directors are men. That's still it's still the case, notwithstanding that you see some diversity out there. The the real levers are still pulled by the same group. Yeah, the gatekeepers. You know, the gatekeepers, man. And it's like um until we until we have everybody in them gates able to make them decisions, then the narrative of movies always gonna be about the same. You know. And and to and and that's one thing that I'm trying to do with Homesteads. That's one thing that I'm trying to do with Dentistry Productions. That I'm just trying to change the narrative, man. I'm trying to make it better for everybody. It's not like Homestead is not a white company or a black company. It's a dope ass company, you know. <laughs> and that's just basically what it is. Like we take everybody movies and. If you're independent, that you're just trying to you're trying to find your way into this world, and you want to get some money behind it, that's what we're here for. We're trying to make it that that you don't have to say how I'm gonna be able to finance my next movie, because we're showing you how to do it. You know, when somebody when a when like for for a, a young director. The young producer to take fifty thousand dollars of all their money, it's all the money they make, right? They save this fifty thousand. They like, I'm gonna make me a dope movie, and they can't make no money back. How they gonna make their next movie? That's right, right? But then you you put Homestead together, and you say, well, you put this money there, 
you got this movie looking good. It's colored right. It's sound right. It's a good storyline. Let me show you how to market. Let me put it out here for you. Now you you made a $50,000 movie. You made a $100,000 back. You feel really good about yourself. Mm-hmm. You feel damn good about yourself. And what do you do? You take that 50 and you put it away. You take that other 50, you make you another movie. You know, and you like, I know I'm going to make my money back. I'm going to make some more money. And guess what? Now a new career had just started. And guess what else they doing? They helping another group of people, whoever that group is, do something that they love. And that's making movies. And that if you're a distribution company, that should be your biggest thing to be able to help your help the movies that come to your movie, to your your production. I mean, your distribution company to have them come and you help them make more money so they can make more movies and they can do something that they love. Because when people do what they love, they like they live longer. You know, they treat their wives and their husbands and whoever better. They treat their kids better because you're doing something that you love. You're not going to a plant and having to work at four to GM and be tired as hell, coming home and you can't even spend time with your kids. You can't go to your kids' baseball games and basketball games because you got to work your ass off. But And that's not something that you like. If you like working there, then that's dope. You find a way to do all that because you're happy, Right. But when you are artsy person and you creative, that's not where you want to be. You want to be doing what you you want to be able to paint pictures. You know, imagine if somebody was able to say, you know what, I'm just want to be an artist. And they sitting and they paint and they know that 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 art is going to sell enough just for them to live the life that they want to live. Everybody don't want to live in billion dollars home, million dollar home. They might just want to live in a one bedroom apartment and eat good food every day and travel the world. And they aren't making them be able to do that. How dope is that? That's that's the life. You know, that's being happy, man. And like you, you never hear about people happy dying at 10 or 35, you know, because when you happy, you find ways to want to go to the gym and work out. You want to eat better. You want to be around good people. You do all that. And that's why this distribution thing is so important for us, you know, because when me, Rob, Sean, and Lynn put it together, we had a vision to make this shit great. We wanted our people, our movie people that brought their film to us to be first, happy that they with us. We wanted them to all make some money. We wanted them all just to want to make more movies and bring them to us so we could say, yo, now you part of our family, you part of that little tree. That's what's important, man. So listen, one of the things I'm wanting to do with this podcast is really is reinforce for other entrepreneurs who want to make a difference that, you know, their passion and desire for impact like you have is, is fantastic and amazing and, and necessary for our world, but it isn't enough. Like you need the hardcore business skills and the disciplines, right? To be and in your industry, which is a tough industry, to be consistently profitable and growing. I imagine you've had to develop some business chops. So what have you what have you done with your business model to make it profitable? Like I've seen you say that most of your projects give a positive ROI, which is pretty remarkable in the film industry. So like what are the what are the core kind of business skills that have allowed you to do that apart from your creative artistic uh, eye? Well, first, um, when it comes to business, Sean and Rob are way better at that than me. These are your like, partners. Well, it's 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 dentistry, Sean Armstrong. 
um, Rob Johnson and Lynn, um, Lynn Burnett. And they, they are, they're, they are so dope. Like Lynn is the salesman. I mean, Rob is the salesman. He the one who go to Tubi. He the one to go to IMDb TV. He the one to go to BET and Viacom. That's his thing. He loves talking to them. He loves selling them stuff. He loves getting budgets from them. The whole that's that's what he he's great at, right? Then you have Sean, who's like the administrator, also the marketing guru. You know, then you have um, Lian, who is super dope because he owned Vibe magazine and he already has so many connections, right? So he's able to get like the celebrities that do passion projects that trying to make more money. We able to get their films because they all love him. And then by that happening, he getting more films. And then it's me, right? And with me, I'm able to make films and then I'm able to bring films because who don't want to make mess with somebody that's making decent money with their films, right? And now you can be on the same group with me, you know, and we all understand that. So we understand our roles in it. I understand that if I'm going to be able to make two, three million dollar movies, Rob is going to have to do his job. You know, and I let Rob do his job and he does it very well. You know, I know if Rob and me and Lynn understand that in order for us to be able to keep on letting Rob go and say, hey, we're going to make this movie. And this movie is going to make at least this amount of money. So you're going to get all this money back. Plus this, Sean got to do his job because Sean has to understand that he had to advertise and do everything for us for Rob to look better. Right. And then Lynn, he has to bring dope movies to us for Rob to keep on saying, well, you see that this movie did this and this movie did this from us. So this is why you should be giving us this money. Right. And me, I have to be able to make some dope shit. Right. Because I have to be able to make it so dope. That when they get it, they like, yeah, I seen that movie. That movie was fire. And you did it for how much? So it didn't cost you $2 million to do a movie? No, it didn't cost us that. You know, like, I was able to do literally a movie for 50000 and made $4 million. Who could say that? That's remarkable. Not many people could say that, though. But yeah. guess what? It took a team for that to happen. It took a team. It yeah. didn't happen. You know, so we say we put $50,000 in this little hole and then three years later, it's $4 million there. That's unbelievable. You can't even do that with the stock market. Not right? <laughs> so you sitting there like, yo, how can I get in? And everybody's not going to have those results, right? But we able to guarantee that you're going to make some money. If, if you do exactly what we say, you're going to make some money and that make, and when people know that they're going to make some money, then guess what? They want to give you their movies. They want to give you their money. They want to give you their time. They want to give you their trust. That's right. how you win. So listen, you know, one of the other things I try to do with this podcast, because this, I mean, you're doing some really cool things, not kind of successes, you know, congratulations. That's fantastic. 
but sometimes stories of folks like you doing well are inspiring, but they're also kind of intimidating for younger entrepreneurs, right? Look how well he's done. He does movies and he does restaurants and he does bars and, you know, distribution and production. I don't know if I could learn or I have the capability of doing all that. Could you share maybe your biggest failure along the way and how you overcame it? But, you know, kind of what did you learn? True story. I did a movie called True Law, right? True Law was my first movie. And when I did it, I wrote it, and a guy named Al Prophet directed the movie for me, right? So before Al, I did the movie twice. So you got to get the story. The first time I did it, and I'm not going to put the guy's name out, he came to me, he said, look, you give me $10,000, I will be able to produce this movie for you. You will own the movie, and you give me 20% of the movie. And if you get a distribution deal, you split the distribution 20%, 80-20 with me. And, you know, I'm like, cool, let's do it. I gave him the money. I was on set every day. I, I helped direct the movie, right? And I wasn't being like Breeze. Remember I told you earlier, Breeze get on set. She learned everything from everybody. Me, I was just there. And I wasn't even focusing because I was like, yo, I'm making a movie. I wasn't caring (laughs) about nothing about the movie. Okay? So the movie get done. The guy said, okay, we're going to edit the movie and... I was like, we're going to do a movie premiere in Detroit. So the place it used to be a place here called the Star Theater. We're going to do a movie theater here. So I go, I rent out the Star Theater. I rented out half of it. Um, I rented out, no, not half. I rented out five screens in there. It was a little bit over, um, over t- 2,000 people, right? So this was like, an independent movie. I gave all the cast a bunch of tickets. I took a bunch of tickets. Listen to my words. I did not call Randy one time about how the edit was going. I did not call, I mean, I, I told y'all his name. I didn't tell the guy, right? I didn't call him one time about how the movie was going, how, how the edit was going, anything. He told me that the movie is going to be done on June 1st. I told the theater that we was bringing our movie in on June 5th and we were going to have this movie premiere. Me not doing my due diligence, we sold over $80,000 in tickets. You hear me, right? Over $80,000 in tickets. When June 1st came, I called a dude. I said, yo, how the movie going? Great. I'm bringing it to you tomorrow. Okay. I'm scared of what's coming next. On June 2nd, how the movie going? Where you at? I had a little hiccup. I see you, I see you later on today. Didn't ask for his phone. I have all this money. All this money. June 5th come. I'm at a movie theater with all these people and no movie. He walks in. The movie was supposed to start at 8 o'clock. He walked in that mug at 8.40 with the movie on a laptop. 
It didn't play. I literally, my mom and dad was so dope. Cause they they stood by me as I was giving these people back their money. Right? I'm giving them back all this money. And I'm talking about people was going ham on me, telling me I wasn't in this, telling me I was a failure, telling me I was a thief, I was a liar. I'm like, bro, I'm here giving you your money back. And this dude literally was on some BS, right? So I couldn't even do nothing to him. So my dad called me a couple of days later. He said, are you okay? I said, yeah, I, I'm good. I'm, I'm not coming out the house right now. I'm stressed. Everybody in the city talking about me. It's funny because a guy that does movies now, um, he he been doing movies, but he he was kind of known. He was at the movie premiere, and then when they did their movie premiere, he said he was like, "Well, I guarantee it won't be like True Law. This movie gonna play." I don't even talk to this dude today, like, cause I want to smack him. Like, don't make don't make light, don't make fun of me when like that. Like, I don't do that, right? Right. So my dad said, "Well, listen, how much did it cost you to do that movie?" I told him ten thousand. He was like, "Here go twenty. Go make another movie." So I redid True Law, and we didn't get the turnout of the eighty thousand like we had before, but we did get a turnout of like twenty five thousand, and um, the movie turned out decent. We put it out, and um, I think I made like three hundred thousand off that movie today. It was like seven years ago though, but to date we made like three hundred thousand off twenty thousand dollars, you know, and um, I understood that in this game, you have to be on point. You got to be on top of everything, especially when you're the you're the executive producer, when you're the director, you have to be on top of it because your name is on it. Anything that your name is on, you have to stay on top of. You have to, you have to treat it like it's your name because that's all you got. You right. know, every single thing about that taught me, I don't, I, I, I trust you as far as I could throw you. I trust you as, you know, like Breeze and Lee Master and Velda and Sanya, people like that. If they tell me that it's something, it's so. I know that it's there. But I'm still checking just because I just have to. I'm the big brother. I got to check now. It's not because I don't trust you, but I got to make sure that you may not be doing it right. So I got to make sure that it's right. Nothing against you, you know, and that's the biggest thing. I don't care about how bad, like God plays, God plays these little games, right? And when I say that, you know, when when I made $100, I spent it quick, right? So God knew I wasn't ready for the $1,000. Right. You know, so God said, okay, I'm going to let you make 100 I'm going to make you, I'm going to let you make 300 now I'm gonna make you make five, let you make five hundred. So when I got the five hundred, I only spent the hundred. I still kept four hundred, right? So now he said, "Yeah, I could trust you with five hundred. You know, so it's like that with God. He say, "Well, I had to see if you really want to do this movie thing." So I made sure that movie didn't play for you because if you really want to do something, you're gonna continue to do it even though that movie didn't play. 
even though everybody's talking bad about you and saying that you're a failure. So now that I know that you're serious, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to give you everything that you want. But now, not only with him giving me everything that I want, he say, are you going to help other people get what they want? Because if you're not helping nobody else, why should I continue to help you? Mm-hmm. The whole three thing comes right back into focus, you know, because that's such a great lesson. I've, as a, I don't just do the podcasting. I'm a business coach too. And that, that pattern I've actually seen a ton of times where somebody they're sort of at a, they've been yattering a lot about how they want to do things, but they've never taken action. And then they do one action. And I've seen, I've seen two patterns it go one of two ways. One is that, you know, someone has really been struggling and then they've reached out for help. And then suddenly something good happens. And it isn't necessarily even as a result of anything I did with them. It was just, it was like the fact they did something to take action. Something came in from left field to help them. There's another pattern where people, there's a little bit of arrogance, you know, and they say they're going to do stuff and, but it doesn't look like they're fully committed. And so they get, they got a smack on the head. Like something negative comes out of left field. And it's like that they're being tested to see whether they're going to persist. And then if they do, like I've, I've coached some of them, I say, no, don't, don't you dare give up right now. You keep going. And then the next thing starts to work out and it starts to accelerate. It's, you know, I don't, I don't know whether it's God or the universe or coincidence, but I've seen that pattern happen a bunch of times. It may be all of it. It may yeah. be God, maybe the universe. Like I tell my son, like he played basketball. I'm like the basketball guys. If you don't take the game serious, the basketball guys is going to take it. You know? <laughs> and that's how I feel like it's the movie guys. I feel like in whatever industry that you're in, it's, that, it's those guys, man. Because, yeah. you know, anything that you love to do, you're not going to always be successful at it. Right? So you have to be able to say, okay, I messed. Dave Chappelle is like so funny. I was going to see him last week. And it was funny because when he came to Detroit before, he bombed. He was terrible. Right. And he talks about it like he was at the show talking like when I came here last time, I was terrible. But built the show the other night, you know, and that's what it's about, man. It's about sitting there. It's about sitting there, being able to, you know. Make make your failures, your 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 stair step, you know, and when you do that, man, you end up being dope. That's all. And what are you what are you struggling with right now? So what's what's next the next stage in your evolution of of your production company or homestead? Um, I'm I'm not struggling with anything, thank you, Jesus. But what I what I'm trying to do with homestead is I'm I'm literally trying to make this the best distribution company ever. Like I want to go down one day and like fifty years from now my grandkids is running the company. Like my granddad built this 50 years ago. This is dope. And now we doing billion dollar movies. Cause you know, right now we had a hundred or something million dollar movies. So now we're going to be doing billion dollar movies. And hopefully my granddaughter, like I run this. <laughs> you see this right here, this whole building, my granddaddy did this. And that's what the, that's what the goal is. man. That's a great dream. And what skills or supports do you think you'll need to get you to that next stage? Staying humble and um, making sure I continue to work harder, work harder today than I did yesterday. 
You know, I think Jay-Z, no, it was the big, big you and Jay-Z was like, treat your first like your last or your last like your first. I think it was Jay-Z. So I'm going to treat every movie like it's my first movie and every, every other movie like it's my last movie. I want everything to be great, man. Right on. And so where can people see some of your work or the work you've supported? So all my movies are on Tubi, T-U-B-I, and on IMDb TV. Um, that's what they had. And do they look? Did they look under? Like, what did they look for when they get on there? Dennis Reed, just do Dennis Reed. Dennis Reed the second, and all my stuff started coming up. It started popping up, and then with the homestead stuff, you know, I think you could put that homestead on there, and it all our stuff will pop up. Nice. So, any any last advice or words of wisdom for any entrepreneur listening that's striving to make a difference? My only advice is don't stop. And, and keep your word. Your word is everything. If you keep your word, people will give you millions and millions of dollars off your word. You know, people don't invest in businesses. They invest in the person, you know. So once people understand that your word is every single thing, if you tell them that it's going to be there on the 10th, get it there on the 9th. You know, you'd be surprised how many people will love you for doing that. You know, if you tell somebody that you're going to make them, $100,000, make them 200000 Always tell them the least that you're going to do and try to overperform it. You know, don't, you know, and trust, trust yourself. You know, it's just so many things that we just got to learn. Like, you trust yourself, man. You'd be surprised. If you, if you putting up some money, don't trust them to make you better. Make sure that you trust yourself to pick them and watch them and you trust it. If, if you don't like what they're doing, say it. Don't go into it later and say, I wish I would have said it. No, just say it. Say it respect, respectfully, though. You know, because the way that you treat people, man, you treat everybody like you want them to treat your mother. It's just little things, you know? That's great yeah, advice. Yeah, you like that's great. Win, right? <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Listen, thank you so much for your time. It's been a great conversation. I'm sure it's going to be inspiring to a lot of people. And I wish you continued success. And I hope your grandkids are running that billion-dollar business 50 years from now. I know that's right. Thank you. Bless you. See you later. Hi, it's Warren Coughlin here. Thank you so much for listening to the Business That Matters Spotlight. If you're a successful, values-driven entrepreneur who makes a difference while making a profit and you'd like to be on this program, please visit warrencoglin.com slash podcast slash apply. That's warren, C-O-U-G-H-L-I-N dot com slash podcast slash apply. If you got something out of this interview, would you do us a favor and share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag Business That Matters Spotlight. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, warrencoglin.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, facebook.com slash a business that matters, and Instagram at warren.coglin. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.